Kimberly Lauren Raymer was a 17-year-old from Op, Alabama. She was a popular girl and was getting ready for a senior year of high school. On August 15, 1997, she went over to her boyfriend's house but made sure to be home by 11.30, her curfew. After 36 hours of not seeing her, Kimberly's father discovered her bedroom had been ransacked. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. have secrets. We keep them from our friends, from our family, from our co-workers, and those groups often ask us to keep secrets about themselves. We do this for all sorts of good and bad reasons. But the truth is, nobody deserves to know everything about everything. There is nothing necessarily wrong with keeping secrets. Keeping secrets is a major symbol of friendship and love. In fact, you show me a person who can't keep secrets, and I will show you a very, very lonely person. Yet it all depends on what the secret is, how you learned it, and what would be the consequences of telling others. There is a world of difference between keeping your mouth shut about a surprise birthday party and finding out your friend is cheating on his or her spouse. You know what I mean. Well, Kimberly Raymer had a secret, one that is not so unusual for a 17-year-old, However, as we've learned, everything, including secrets, becomes amplified when a person goes missing. But Kimberly's family discovered after a disappearance that somebody else they knew had a secret as well. One that, like Kimberly's, could be relevant in this case. And now it's up to us to determine where the secrets lead. And now, summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend, Megan Goodsight, charlieproject.com. Org. Kimberly Raymer had a lot of things going for her as the summer of 1997 neared its end. She was hanging out with her friends in both Florida and Alabama where she went to high school. She was about to get her senior pictures taken. And within the last two weeks, Kimberly had a boyfriend that she still hadn't told her parents about. So on August 15, 1997, Kimberly was at her father's house in Op, Alabama. She would go to a softball game, then to see her boyfriend who lived only five minutes away. She left her father's house about the same time he did. Her father, Kenny, reminded Kimberly to be home by 11.30 p.m. He came home the next morning and found nothing amiss, although he didn't see Kimberly anywhere. He took for granted that Kimberly was either in her bedroom sleeping or had gone out with a friend since her car was still in the driveway. Then on Sunday, August 17th, when Kenny hadn't seen Kimberly for 36 hours, he became worried. His concern increased when he went into her bedroom and saw that the pictures had been knocked from the walls and a pillow had been stuffed between the mattress and the wall. Kenny called his ex-wife Sue, Kimberly's mother, to see if she had heard from their daughter. She hadn't. Kimberly was never seen again. The following issues have defined Kimberly's disappearance, one that just passed its 21st year of being unsolved a couple days ago. Number one, the revelation after Kimberly disappeared 
that a young man within the Raymer family circle had a long, violent criminal record. Number two, the discovery that Kimberly had a secret boyfriend, an older man with a child, who only her closest friends knew about. And number three, a series of phone calls made to random numbers in Florida from Kimberly's house on the morning of the disappearance. Kimberly's family believes foul play was involved. The interview for this episode is with Kimberly's mother, Sue Enfinger. Unfound news. I was over at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review offices earlier this week. We had a really good meeting about the articles that have been done so far, and we threw around some ideas for the future. As you all know, the news publishing business these days is tough. But the people at the Trib take their jobs very seriously, and I'm happy to be working with them. Next, this week was a big one for a case I'm working on behind the scenes. This is the one where I mentioned I spoke to the FBI a couple weeks ago. I learned some info and got an important phone call, and had some information sent to me that really opened my eyes. I know, I know, you want to know what the case is. But trust me, when I'm ready, I'll let you know. I'm hoping to do a lengthy episode on it. Then you'll understand the entire story. Because the case is a bit personal to me, although I never knew the person who went missing. Finally, I need to thank a couple listeners. One that stepped up to help Lois Hasley set up a Facebook page for her sister's disappearance. And a Des Moines, Iowa listener who came forward with a bit of info that may help Lois understand just a little bit more that was going on at the time of Melissa's disappearance. This kind of stuff is exactly what Unfound is trying to do. And I thank those listeners for being a part of the process. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern for the Unfound live show on the Unfound page. You can email the program unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The website unfoundpodcast.com. The website at Trib Total Media, triblive.com forward slash news forward slash unfound. Unfound has Patreon and PayPal accounts. Your contributions provide for many of the items guests have received so far. This week, I need to thank Cindy, Gabriella, and Sarah. Unfound merchandise, volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4 on Amazon in both paperback and ebook form. If you've bought one of them, please give them a nice review. The playing cards at makeplayingcards.com and shirts for almost all of Unfound's cases at myshopify.com. And please mention Unfound on all true crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Kimberly Raymer, Sue Infinger. Sue, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. I definitely need to start here in this interview with you, Sue. How did Kimberly get her first name, a very unique first name, K-E-M-B-E-R-L-Y? How did that happen? 
Um, well, her father's name was Kenny, K-E-N-N-Y. So we decided we liked Kimberly, so we decided to just um, spell it with a K-E-M-B-E-R-L-Y instead of K-I. That's interesting. Um, so did she go by, like, Kemi? Is I mean, like... It, it... Oh, she went by Kim, or sometimes I called her Kimmy. Some of mm. her friends called her Kimmy. As if, it, as if it were an I instead of an E? Right. Okay. How did she feel about having such a unique name? She an idea. It. Okay. And she has a, an interesting middle name, too, Lauren, L-O-R-I-N. Where did that come from? Okay, that came from, I named her after one of my first cousins. Okay. And, um, in fact, my granddaughter is... Kenley Lauren is so close to Kimberly um, Lauren. Um, All right. But she was named after my cousin. Okay. I have to say that your daughter is continuing kind of a theme here on Unfound, some missing women who do have unique uh, first names. I had one, uh, Marina, earlier this year, and there was a Laura that had an I in her name. So uh, it's continuing continuing that. I find that very interesting. I always love hearing about where people get their unique names. So tell us a little bit about your daughter. What was she into? Um, you have an older daughter, too. How did, how did the two of them get along? Uh, they were 17 months apart. They were close growing up. Um, Kristen was older. Um, Kristen is Kristen Suzanne. Um, and Kimberly Lauren, and um, Kimberly was easygoing, made great grades, athletic, loved softball, hmm. um, had a lot of friends, just outgoing, just, you know, just a bubbly personality. Yeah. I, I don't think she had an enemy. Okay. Um, and she, uh, at her age, she was 17, so the, the prior, maybe May or June, she had gotten, uh, she completed her junior year in high school. Is that correct? Yes. She was just going into her uh, senior year. Mm -hmm. May 18th was her birthday. May 18th. Okay. Um, she had just turned 17. Okay. So, like, four months before that, cause she disappeared in August. Right. Okay. What was uh? What were her plans? Uh, was she already think? Was she thinking about going to college? Did you two uh, talk about oh, yeah. that, or what was her plans? Oh, do you yeah. think she wanted to go to college? We that was our plans. Uh, she was going to go to the University of South Alabama to uh get, to do to do physical therapy. That's a good field for a physical therapy degree. Yeah, that's a good field, she and that made great grades. Yeah. Getting good grades would be good for that uh, vocation, and that's also a uh, you know profession where you really have to care for others. You know, oh, people yeah. with... See, because I'm a retired RN. Oh, I didn't know that. And, uh, yes, I'm retired RN, and Kimberly was going into the physical therapy, and my other daughter is uh, is a nurse. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did she, uh, being, of course, a junior, going to be a senior, 
uh, in high school? Uh, did she have a, a boyfriend or she have a lot? I'm guessing she had a lot of friends, but was there a guy that was, you know, a boy that was in her life at the time? Well, um, she had a lot of friends, but I didn't know that she had a boyfriend at the time until after she went missing. It was He was her boyfriend for two weeks. And it was kept a secret because, well, all of her little friends knew, but mm -hmm. they didn't tell us. She didn't tell us because he had been married before, and he had a small child. And, of course, we wouldn't have agreed to that, you know, because she was just 17. And so it was mm. kept a secret. And how old was he then? He was, like, in his early 20s. Okay. Uh, how did they meet? Did you, uh, Once again, after the fact, I guess, after she disappeared, how did the two meet? Um, she was playing on a softball team, like a woman's softball team. And, of course, you know, we lived in a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, he saw her at the ball game there. And they just kind of struck up, uh, you know, yeah, going out. I mean, it was only two weeks. Who knows where it was going to go? It was only a couple weeks. It was only two weeks, and I, I didn't even know him. Mm -hmm. Did she have any other uh, boyfriends that, that you were aware of um, before this guy maybe uh, sophomore, junior year? Maybe going to the prom, uh, something like that. Well, yeah, she did go uh, with a prom with this boy, Jason Powell, but they were just friends. It wasn't like boyfriend-girlfriend. I mean, she dated a little bit, but it was not like boyfriend-girlfriend, steady kind of thing. No real serious stuff. Right. All right. As you look back now, um, looking at maybe, maybe just her junior year, anything that maybe was – um, worrisome to you. I mean, once again, you didn't find out about this boyfriend who had been married and was in, uh, before, but anything else that maybe, you know, uh, you know, caused you a little bit? Did she ever say anything to you, like somebody was harassing her or anybody f stalking her? Anything like that that you can remember? Nothing. Nothing mm -hmm. like that. No kind of problems. I mean, no. we lived in a small town. Of course, Kenny and I were divorced at the time. And I was living here, which is uh, right at the Florida-Alabama line. And uh, Kimberly and Kristen, they were back and forth with me and him. They went to school in op, but I worked in op. You know, like I drove up there every day. So, you know, they were back and forth like if they wanted to stay with him, that's fine. If they stay, wanted to stay with me, that's fine. You know, because I was going up there any, every day anyway. Okay. And um, maybe, once again, being that Kimberly had an older sister, Kristen, did she ever confide in her in anything maybe that you found it after, after the fact about any guys or even any girls who were giving her a hard time in those maybe days or weeks um, before she disappeared, you know, the summer of 1997? I, I can't think of anything. Nothing. That is, you know, off the top of my head that – there was any kind of problems, you know, okay. it's, it's just sort of weird that all this happened and nothing, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I do. I do. 
you know, like nothing was brought to my attention about anything or if anything was even going on. Okay. And to your, and once again, looking back, and I know it's, you know, unfortunately here in six days, it's going to be the 21st year, 21st anniversary. That's right. Um, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. I agree. Uh, I agree, Sue. Uh, any of her friends afterwards, after she disappeared, you know, ever come to you and say anything that sounded shady before she disappeared? Not that I can remember. Nothing. Uh, I mean, I need, you know, the, the listeners know that I ask these questions in almost every interview. And I just want to make sure that we are covering all the bases before, you know, we get to that day of what happened. Because, as you can imagine, in in what I do, I cover people from all backgrounds. Um, from wealthy families, from poor families, uh, men and women who aren't into any trouble at all men and women who have run into the problems with the law and elsewhere, you know, uh, in their lives. And I just want to make sure that we get a good feeling, the listeners get a good feeling, of what was going on in Kimberly's life before she disappeared. That's why I ask. And and it was like nothing going on except the everyday teenager thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no no kind of... Well, well, Kim was a good kid. I mean, she never got in any kind of trouble or anything, you know, and she wasn't on drugs or, you know, yeah. it, it's just so weird because, you know, with her, somebody just coming in there, which I think I know who that person is, and just got her. Yeah, we're and, gonna, and we're going to talk about that. Her again. Yeah. Now, she, you said that she was actually, now you, the, the listeners should know, you live in Florida now, and, and I guess you did yeah, at the time. Same place. Okay. Same place. But where did she go to high school? She, did she go to high school in Florida or Alabama? She went to school in Off. In Off. In Off. Okay. Uh-huh. Maybe kind of give the listeners an idea of what Op Alabama, is like. It's just a small southern town. Everybody knows everybody. Um, a small school. The population is maybe six, seven thousand, maybe something like that. That's it. Um, um, not much work anymore. Used to be a cotton mill there. Um, that had, a, you know, a lot of people working and. Um, Grocery stores, you know, just a small town, restaurants. Um, but like I said, everybody knows everybody, and okay. everybody knows everybody's business. Okay. And uh, you said that uh, yourself and Kimberly's father uh, were divorced. Um, he had his own place in Op, and you lived in, in right there on the border, then in Florida. And yeah. how did uh, Kimberly and her father get along? Pretty good. They they got along great. Okay. Um. Except sometimes when he was so stern, you know. But that's just the way he was. He just wanted sure. the girls to, you know, mind and not get into any trouble. Absolutely, seventeen year old, seventeen year olds need a little discipline in their lives, right? <laughs> Right. Even the best ones, even the ones who are staying out of trouble, 
like it sounds like Kimberly was. Okay. Right. All right. So let's uh, move up to that day, August 15th, 1997. Um, what do you remember about that day? Maybe starting in the morning, did she, you know, was she at her father's or did she drive up there? Just explain that day from your point of view, what you remember. Okay. okay. She had been with me, not that day, but, um, she had gone up to op that week. She was with me before then, <clears throat> and uh, I saw her on that Thursday, went over to the house, and we ate lunch together. Then Friday was the day that she got her senior portraits made, um, and then she did that, hung out with some of her girlfriends, and then she had a ball game. It was a woman's league, but a lot of her friends were in it, you know, not just mm -hmm. grown women. There were teenagers in it, too. Okay. And after that, uh, she had come home, got a shower. Kenny was there. He was going out, too. And uh, he told her to be home by 1130. And so, according to the boyfriend, you know, this is after everything was checked out and okay that she did leave his house and came back which was just a few blocks from his house to ours to, to kenny's house mm -hmm. and parked and went in there and got ready for bed she had her contacts out uh her purse was there her car was there everything was there and kenny had gone out and he didn't come home that night. Okay. If I may ask, being that you didn't find out about this uh, new boyfriend until after she disappeared, did your husband, or your I should say your ex-husband, Kimberly's father, did he know about the boyfriend? No. He, he didn't know about him either. Okay. But the friends did. Yeah. The girlfriends did. But yeah, that's usually know. how it works. Yeah. So what did... Uh, Kenny think that uh, Kimberly was going to be doing that night? If he was going out, doing whatever he was doing, w did she ever let him know that she was going to be going out, or did he just take for granted? Yeah, I think so, because I think they left. She was getting dressed, he was getting dressed, and they were going to go out. And then he told her to be home by a certain time. And then he went out, and he met his girlfriend, and he didn't come back. Okay. He didn't come back home. He went to her house. Okay. Did he? I mean, we have to realize this is these are the days before cell phones, and this is barely just. Exactly. Some people had cell. Some people had cell phones, but really, cell phones didn't become a thing maybe to the early two thousands for most people. But, and this is just in the the beginning days of the internet. Did he, as a parent, call like at eleven thirty or eleven forty, eleven forty five to see if? She actually obeyed him, or did he just take for granted that she was going to be coming home on time? I'm, I'm not sure. Not sure. I'm not sure if he called. I'm really not sure. Okay, that's fine. Some, I mean, if uh, you say if she was a good teenager, maybe there's no reason to call. Maybe. Right. I mean, she always did what she was told. You know, we never had any problem out of her. Okay. You know about running away or. Or going places that 
she shouldn't go, you know. She was always a good kid. Okay. So she went out, um, and once again, after the fact, did you ever, uh, when you did find out uh, about this boyfriend, did you ever find out what they actually did that night or that evening and tonight? Yeah, she went to his house. Okay, and that's all they did? They didn't go out to eat or go yeah. to the movies? No, I don't think so, because it was after 10 o'clock. So she went to his house and stayed till about 1130, and then she came home. Okay. So she goes out. Uh, we believe there was a lot of proof that she did come home. Of course, her car was there. Her purse was there. Her contacts uh, were, I guess, in their case. Um, but then Kenny, he does come home the next day. And I'm sure he sees Kimberly's car there. What does he do? He goes in. Um, he leaves her a note. Gets his golf clubs, I guess. Uh, he was going to play golf. From what I can remember, he was like in and out and left her a note. And he thought, see, she was supposed to be going to sell um, magazines with another little girlfriend. And so he didn't think anything about it. And, okay, that was like Saturday. Mm-hmm. Okay. That night, okay, Saturday was when Bill and I went fishing at the bay. We left um, during the day, and we didn't get back until like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. So that would be like Sunday Sunday morning. morning. Sure. And there, there was a call, you know, from Saturday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. And there was a call on my phone. Bill was saying... Uh, not not Bill, it was Kenny, that um, said something. And then so I tried to call him. It was like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and nobody answered. And so I just went to sleep. And then the next day, um, Kenny called me and said, is Kimberly there? And I said, well, no, she is supposed to be with you. He said, she's not here, and I can't find her. And oh. uh, so I said, what? And he says, I'm calling all of her friends. And I said, I'll be up there in a minute. And so, you know, because it just wasn't like her to just go off like that and not tell anybody. Yeah. So I went up to op, and, you know, her all of her little friends were in and out of the house, and they were saying, her boyfriend's got her. Her boyfriend's got her. He won't let her leave. I said, wow. how in the world, what is that? And so... Were they really know? saying, were that, is that what they were saying? Yeah, they were saying that. And this would have been Sunday. This would have been August 17th. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. They were saying, he, he got her. He must have her. He must have her. And so we went over there to his house and nobody was there. And then uh, we came back to Kenny's house and you know, asking everybody about her. And then we said, we got to go to the police. I don't know where she's at. When, when these girls are saying that, that Sunday, uh, these teenagers, seven, I'm going to guess 16, 17, 18 year olds. And they, they were saying her boyfriend got her. Was that when you found out that she actually had a new boyfriend? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. Okay. That must've been a little shock to you. Yeah, it was. Because I, I didn't even know him. 
Yeah. And uh, Kimberly didn't say anything about it. But, of course, I you know, understand why, because we wouldn't have wanted her to be dating somebody that age that had been married with a child, with her yeah. just being 17 years old. Right. That's right. Okay. But then, okay, after that, let me think. Okay. Um, okay. We said, we're going to the law. So we went up there and filed a report. And then... We went back to Kenny's, and, and I believe then the police came out there with us. And, it, you know, then word started spreading through the town that Kimberly's missing. Yeah. And there was people just coming up in and out of the house, you know. Um, and um, it was just like craziness. Okay. Um, if if I may ask you something, um, so just so I can set this up for the listeners once again, Kenny and Kimberly go out. They go the separate ways on Friday. He doesn't come home on Friday night. He comes back Saturday morning, gets his golf clubs. Of course, he would see Kimberly's car there. Maybe her bedroom door set. Maybe he's thinking she's still in bed. Maybe he thinks that she went out with his friend of hers to sell magazines. He goes out again. He doesn't come home till later. Um, when is the house actually kind of searched, like looked over? When does somebody actually go into her bedroom? Or do you remember? It was that Sunday. No, it was, it was Sunday. Sunday when we went to the police, and then they came out to the house, and then it all started then. Okay. And it was the it was the Op City Police, and okay, they did their searches. They didn't know what to do, really, because they'd mm. never had any, any case like this. Yeah. And then after a couple of days or something like that, they, they called the Alabama Bureau of Investigation. Okay, then they came in, and they did, like, searches of, not, I mean, of the, um, the room and everything, um, I don't know if they did the Luminol. It might have been the FBI that did that. The ABI got involved, and then after they got involved, then the FBI was called in. Wow. That's very unusual. For, I mean, FBI does not pop up a lot in a lot of the cases that uh, I cover. Do you have any reason why uh, they got involved in this particular case? You know. I am thinking... Because I live in Florida, Kenny lives in Alabama, and mm. from from the reasoning, they must have um, thought, well, I'm not sure. Okay. Unless they thought that she was taken across the line. Possible, sure. Sure, and it would also mean that she's underage, might have something to do with it as well, I uh, all I'm trying to say is you didn't, like, ask the local police or anybody to call the FBI. They, they did it on their own. They, The FBI found out about no, it and showed up. The, the ABI was there. And mm -hmm. then um, Jerry Anderson, which is my daughter's boyfriend, older daughter's boyfriend, mm -hmm. he called his father, which was a detective for Walton County Sheriff's Office at the time. He called from Kenny's house. 
telling him about the circumstances and saying they needed more help, that he thought the FBI should get involved. Hmm. And Walton County, let's just be clear, clear, Walton County is in Florida. It's not in Alabama. Exactly. All right. So he, we, and we haven't talked about him. He's, we're going to talk about him a little later, but he is your, is Kristen's boyfriend. He's up there helping you out seemingly. And then from there he calls his father who works in the Walton County uh, Sheriff's Office in Florida saying uh-huh. that more help is needed. Right. Okay. All right. Um, who was the first person to, to, to discover that Kimberly's bedroom at her father's house was kind of messed up? And maybe did you see it? Can you explain it to the listeners what it looked like? Okay. I, I saw the bedroom. It, um, okay. When you walked into her bedroom, to the left was the bed. And then we had pictures on the wall. And then on the other side of that wall was the hallway of the house, and it also had pictures. And the pictures on the inside of her bedroom were down. Hmm. And it looked like there had been a scuffle in there, like... Um, I don't know how to explain it. Oh, there was a pillow behind the headboard, like down between the mattresses. I remember that. There was a pillow that was stuck down there. That is weird. It was the, were you the first one to discover that, or was Kenny, her father, the first person to discover that? I you remember? Kenny. You think it was Kenny? That would make sense, being that it's think- his house. Sure. You know, because he lived there, and he had been looking at it longer than me. Could he offer an explanation as to why he hadn't, you know, I don't think that got noticed till Sunday, that he had been in and out and just hadn't noticed that? Had the bedroom door been closed, or does he not have to walk by her bedroom to, you know, to his own bedroom, let's say? Yeah, and he yeah. would have to walk by, by his bedroom, but I don't know if... Where his golf clubs were. I don't know if they might have been just in the in the kitchen there. Okay. When you walked in, it was the kitchen dining room. Okay. Uh, any other rooms? Anything else? Anything uh, else disturbed in the house at all? Anything missing? Anything? No. There was no, no kind of robbery. There was no kind of break in. Um. Was her purse? You said her purse was there. Uh, was her car looked at? Anything weird about the car? Was nothing? The car was there. The keys were there. Everything was there. Nothing was stolen. Everything was there except her. Okay. Did it look like maybe she was sleeping and somebody came in, or I mean, were the sheets like pulled down? Do you remember? Um. I'm sure she had to have been sleeping or possibly sleeping, mm-hmm. um, ready for bed or something. Um, okay. Uh, was there any sign? Once again, I know you're not an expert on it. I know your husband would not be an expert on it, but um, did the police say anything to you? Did it look like there was any f- sign of forced entry? Any like a window maybe cracked open? No, nothing like that. Nothing at all. Okay. 
The only thing that I remember. Sure, please. That was, okay, there was a carport under, you know, carport, carport next to the house. And where we always went in and out. The door was locked, but I could see, like, light from, like, a crack in the door mm-hmm. from the, because from the windows in the kitchen coming through, and I had never noticed that before. Like, so are you saying something like maybe that, like, the, the door frame was twisted or something like that? Like, like if somebody put a hand on that door mm-hmm. and pushed, and, like, it stayed sort of pushed open a little bit, just like a crack, that I could see the sunlight coming through there, and I had never noticed that before. So, like, on the top, like, the top corner of the door, for example, or the bottom corner? Yeah, like, from, from the uh, lock up. Lock up. The lock up. Like, if somebody held their hand, like, they're trying to push the door, Yeah. you know, sure. that... It, it may have stayed like that. Did Kenny? Just a crack. Did Kenny say anything about that? Did you ask him, being that it's his house? Any? Did you ever we give you? We talked about that, but we didn't know, and we, you know, told the police about that. Yeah. But, but, you know, there was no forced entry. It was no like the lock wasn't broke or anything like that. Okay. So it's possible that. Um... Somebody snuck into the house somewhere, you know, an expert lock person maybe snuck in that way, or maybe there was a door that was unlocked, or Kimberly maybe let the person into the house, possibly, maybe knowing the yeah, person. I believe, that, I, I believe either she let this person in or this person had a key. Okay. All right, if you know, and we just have to also maybe leave open the, uh, the the possibility, the remote possibility that maybe some of this was staged. We just don't know. Maybe something happened somewhere else. Somebody could have brought her car back and made it look like this. We don't know, but it's right. it's a remote possibility. But it does look, at least what it sounds like to me. And you and your ex husband were two of the first people on the scene, so you got to see it before all these other people came in. Um, it certainly does seem like maybe, you know, she was in the house and somebody else came into the house or other people, you know, it could have been more than one. Right. So the police came in, um, did they give you any theories of what they thought might've happened? Did you get to, um, have a good conversation with the FBI or, you know, uh, they, they did not know. They just asked us questions about her friends and. You know, would she go off like that? Would she run away? And, of course, she wouldn't run away. She had it made, you know, yeah. and she had a good life. Sure. And um, sure. And then, you know, like I said, you know, they tried to handle it, and then they called the ABI in, and then after that, then they called the FBI in. Okay. And none of them uh, were able to give you maybe an idea of what could have happened. Maybe we, maybe we should ask this. Was there being that a lot of disappearances that happen that we cover on Unfound have to do with relationships? Uh, was the new boyfriend questioned? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Did uh, he you... Questioned and he was not a suspect. No. Did... 
Um, and we already, of course, you already gone through this. You've already said that he and Kimberly uh, got together that evening, and he claims that she left his place to be home at the time that her father required, which would have been 1130. Is that what he said? Yes. Did this boyfriend um, take a lie detector test? Do you know? Yes, yes. And, he pa and to your knowledge, Everybody he passed it? Did. Everybody took one except my daughter, my other daughter's boyfriend. Okay. Once again, we're, we're going to get to that in a bit. We're going to get to that in a bit, okay. but I just want to take this where we're trying to go through the timeline one thing by, you know, through, oh, for another, just to, just kind of keep it all in line so people can understand how this all happened. So the boyfriend would, of course, uh, um, popped up. He was questioned um, and he passed his lie detector test and the police to this day are not suspicious of him in any way. To your knowledge. No, to your knowledge. Not. Okay. Okay. Did even though it seems like she got home by eleven thirty, is he saying he just spent the the rest of his night at home because this disappearance could have happened at three in the morning for all we know? Any right? I, I think he had an alibi. Um, mm. I'm it, sure he did, um, according to the FBI, because he was ruled out as a suspect. Okay. Would you say that he was helpful? Did he come over to the house? Did he go on any searches? Oh, yes, did he, he did. did he look? Uh, I mean, I know it was only a couple weeks. They'd only been together a couple weeks, but he did he look um, concerned? Oh, he looked scared to death. Did he? Okay. Yeah, like something like this happened, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, he was. And I had a talk with him. You yeah. know. To see if I could find out anything, and um, of course he swore to me that he didn't do anything. You know, it was just like um, she was told, you know, to come yeah. home by eleven thirty, and and she did. Okay. Did he? Did she ever pass along to him? That once again, it's just those couple weeks that she was having any problems with anybody. No. Not that I know of. Never thought that he, when he and she had gotten together, that somebody might have been following her, any, like, phone calls and hang-ups, anything like that? No. Okay. And just for the record, uh, you know, it's been 21 years almost. What is, has this boyfriend, um, what kind of life has he led? Has he stayed out of trouble? Has he been in trouble with the law? Do you know? As far as I know, I've heard rumors that I've heard that um, he's been on drugs. Has he? Um, hmm. And that kind of thing. Okay. I think, I, I don't know if he's been in any kind of trouble, but I've heard he's been on drugs. Do you think that he was on drugs at the time that Kimberly was dating him? I, I don't know. He, he might have been. Okay. Well, that's uh, that is something that uh, could certainly play a role. Uh, you know, anytime drugs are involved, you know that seems like the chance of a disappearance right. goes up. So maybe we have to keep that. You know, uh, of course, it would. I would be way more concerned if he had maybe some felonies, assaults. You know, maybe a rape or something since 1997. Right. But to your knowledge, you don't haven't heard anything like that. I haven't. 
Okay. All right. Um, what were you thinking? So the FBI comes in. These people are given uh, lie detector tests. You're given one, and we'll get to Jerry Anderson in here a bit. But what are you thinking right at this point? Are you, any any idea whatsoever? As you were thinking about this. I didn't know. I was just scared because I had a deep gut feeling that she was hurt and somebody did something to her because it wasn't in her character at all to not come home. You know what I'm saying? I do. So I knew something bad was wrong. I do. I meant to ask you this before, but being that she had gone up to her father's that day from your place, did did anybody know that she was going to be up in Op, Alabama? Did there any... Not that I know of, except her friends, you know. The boyfriend would know, of course, that she would be coming up. Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he would have known. And her friends, but... You know, she didn't have a cell phone or anything like that. You know, we just had landlines. And, yeah. um, of course, she had planned to go up there because of her pictures and getting ready for school. Because yeah. I didn't make them change schools because, you know, they were going to already be, she was going to be a senior. And I went to op every day anyway, so it really didn't matter. Yes. Right. So we're not even clear how many people, if somebody was, let's say, after her or stalking her, um, we don't even know how many people really even knew that she was going to be in Op Alabama that day at her father's house. We don't know. Right. As far as I know, nobody had been stalking her because if that had been a problem, you know, I would have known that. Yeah, she would have told. Well, she knew if she knew. You know, so, you know, stalkers, you know, we don't know. Sometimes they make themselves aware, you know, make their their prey aware, and sometimes they don't. It just depends. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that if somebody, if not many people knew she was going to be there, if there was somebody that was after her, the only way that person would know is if the person followed her up there. Right. Well, possibly. Okay. Now, there is this... Um, Something that you found out, I'm not sure how long afterwards, but I'm going to say maybe a couple weeks. There were a couple phone calls made from the house, uh, from Kenny's house, um, Kimberly's father's house, that night. What can you tell the listeners about that? Okay. Um, The phone calls were made around 5.20 in the morning. And they were to an area where my other daughter's boyfriend was in that area for a party that night. Hmm. So these were calls that were made from Alabama to Florida. Exactly. And what what area code would that have been? 850 or something like that? 850. Okay. And it was to an area uh, about maybe, say, 10, 15 miles from where I live. It's to an area um, that he hung out with people over there. 
Okay. How many phone calls were were there? And were you able to figure out who these numbers belong to? I, I believe that there were, were three phone calls. And the numbers did not belong to anybody. They were made, the FBI got the numbers, and they were made out of the house, but they didn't, excuse me, they didn't go to anyone's home. Okay, so um, they were dialed the right way, like the area code and then the prefix and then the four numbers after that, but those numbers were not assigned to any business or any person. That's exactly right. And, and huh. I think the last one was like 850-956-0000. Huh. It was something like that. It was like, to me, in my eyes, it looks like somebody was in a panic. That's the scenario that I come up with, that yeah. somebody was in a panic trying to get help and could not remember the numbers. But there was no numbers, to your knowledge, once again, I, I don't know if the police would tell you this or not, uh, there was no record of a 911 call ever being made from the house, though. None that, that I know of. Mm. So it was somebody looking for help. Uh, they weren't looking for help from the police. Exactly. Okay. Do you remember how long after um, she disappeared that you found out about that? And did the police, I know what your theory is, did the police ever give their theory of those phone numbers? Um, they just told me about the phone numbers. And... You know, um, told me that Jerry Anderson is a suspect in my daughter's disappearance with, I don't know what kind of all different information that they got, because I'm sure they didn't tell me everything. But um, from, because he avoided them, he would not speak with them for the longest. And huh. then, and then... Uh, see, he had a warrant for his arrest. And so I think he called his father and got the police to pick him up in Florida instead of Alabama. When the, was this the first time this conversation, and, and you're saying that Jerry Anderson, we haven't covered him in depth yet, but he's come up a couple times. Was this the first time that you had ever heard that uh, the police, you know, were suspecting him as a possible decent suspect? It was from the FBI who said that. Yes. Were you surprised by that? Were you surprised? Oh, yes. I couldn't imagine it being him because he had come with me and Kristen up to the house, uh, you know, when she first went missing, he came up and spent the night up there with us. And I remember him coming behind me in her bedroom when I was looking around, and I said, Jerry, don't touch anything. Just don't touch anything here. And he was just looking around, looking around. And I remember that I was in the car with him, 
I can't remember exactly which day it was, going back to get more clothes or something. And he wanted to leave. He wanted to leave the area. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm still in shock about everything. Mm. And I said, you want to leave the area? I said, if you leave, they're going to think that you had something to do with it. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget the look in his eyes. It was like, then I thought, oh, my God, he may have done it. Okay. Well, let's get right into that uh, right now. We have to be clarified. Jeremy Anderson, who's um, goes by Jerry, I guess. Yes. He goes by Jerry. Um, his middle name is what? Jerry, Jeremy Garth, Garth Anderson. Jeremy Garth. All right. She, at the time, he was your older sister and Kristen's boyfriend. Exactly. Okay, and how long, how did they meet? Uh, how long had they been going out? What did you know about him uh, before Kimberly disappeared? What did Kristen tell you about him? I mean, he'd come over for, like, holidays. I mean, how close were they? Uh, they were pretty close. And the reason I knew him is because my sister-in-law that is married to my brother, has a child by his brother, by Jerry's brother. And that's how you knew him? And do you think that that's how Kristen met him? Or did they go to high school together? Or? No, they didn't go to high school together. She met him down at my brother's. Okay. Because he was down there visiting. He would take Leanne, that's my sister-in-law. She had a child by... Um, Jerry's brother. Okay. And Jerry would come over and take the child to see his brother to, for okay. her, her father. Okay. And how long had Kristen? How long had Kristen been going with uh, Jeremy at this at the point that Kimberly disappeared? Any Let's ideas? See. Um, several months. Several months. All right, and we have to remember that Kristen is how much older than Kimberly? She is 17 months older. 17, so approximately a year and a half. And how uh, how much older was uh, Jeremy th than uh, Kristen? Was he into his 20s? Okay, he was about 9 or 10 years older than Kristen. Oh, okay. So if she would have been 18, he was 28, maybe she might have been maybe 19, and he would have been 28, 29. Okay. Yeah, something okay. like that. Or he might have been 27, 26 or 27. Okay. I can't remember exactly. I know that he was he was older. Quite a bit older. Okay. And you personally or your, once again, your ex-husband, Kenny, did you or he ever personally have any problems with how he treated your daughter? No. No. And during this time, once again, before Jeremy's name popped up in all of this, did your other daughter, Kristen, ever say anything to you about, you know, maybe Jeremy or, you know, Jerry Jeremy could have had something to do with this? Did any of that ever enter her mind? Oh, no. She no. didn't believe it at okay. all. Okay. So were you the one that had to kind of tell her after? I mean, once again, you said that the FBI were the ones who originally spoke uh, about this. 
were you the one that actually had to talk to your daughter about this, Kristen, about this? Yes, I had to convince her that mm. it was him after all the mm. all the investigation, all the interrogation, all the lie detectors tests, everything, you know, and then um Yeah, and maybe I should jump in here for a second. We have to be very, very careful when we say it was him. We don't know who it was. Okay, for the record, we don't know who it was. All we are going through are suspicions. All we are doing is presenting facts about the case. Okay, we don't know who it was. All right, what you're saying, if I may, you had to tell, all you're saying is you had to tell your daughter that Jeremy was a suspect in Kimberly's disappearance. Exactly. Okay, because we don't, if we knew it was, we could just go solve it right now, but we don't know. Right. But there were things about Jerry that are that kind of maybe point in his direction at least a little bit. Um, And let's let's just get to those things. You had already mentioned the lie detector test. You had taken one, Kristen had taken one, Kenny had taken one. Did Jeremy take one? He refused. Refused. Did he ever give you or Kristen or anybody else a reason that he didn't want to take one? No. He just said he refused to do it. Okay. Um, does he have an alibi for the night the Kimberly disappeared? He does not. What What is the story of where he was that night? Okay, at first, these friends of his that he was hanging out with, they were giving him an alibi, but when the FBI came down so hard on them, they changed their story. He did not have an alibi after 2 o'clock in the morning. He went to a party over there in Mm -hmm. Leonia, Florida, and he has no alibi after um, 2 o'clock in the morning. And then... We saw him the next morning. He came over here, and that's when we were getting ready to go fishing and everything, probably around 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. All right. So is it possible, and we haven't really done the, the distance stuff on this case yet, but from where you live to op is how far? It's probably about 30 miles. All right. So you could get there in maybe 35 minutes, 40 minutes. And so if so what you're saying is between two in the morning and about eight in the morning, he has no alibi and it could somebody could easily somebody could easily go from where you live or from this party to op and back pretty easily in that time frame. Very easily. Very easily. Now, what is the story you told me about the vehicle that he was actually driving that night? How did you find this out? From the FBI. Um he was on a truck that he took from a man that he knows that he's worked for before. He took that truck and drove that truck that night. And he had his car, which was really actually Kristen's car, over there at a friend's house. How do you, to your knowledge, did Kristen or anybody else ever know him to drive this truck before? Any ideas? Uh, It had been knowledge that he had driven that truck before because he worked for the man. Okay. At at a a time. 
but he took this truck and um and then he I I I do know for a fact that that morning around 6 6:30 towards 7 he went to the guy's house where his car was parked freaking out wanting someone to follow him to get rid of that truck. So he parked it at a church um, a couple of miles from from where his car was. And you once again found this out from the FBI? This is what the FBI told you? Yes. And how long after Kimberly disappeared did they, did they um, tell you this? It, it was it was a, a while, I think, because by the time they found out putting everything together, mm-hmm. uh, the truck had been cleaned and vacuumed yeah. and everything. It was a work truck. Yeah. And uh, then the FBI got the... Um, Stuff where it had been vacuumed and all, you know, to check that out. But I don't think anything ever came of that. Mm. Do you even know how the FBI might have even got on to even, you know, having a suspicion that it was him in the first place? Any ideas? I think because he avoided them, he wouldn't talk to them. Mm. And then he refused the lie detectors test. Right. And then right. when I guess they looked his record up. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. about that. What kind of uh, criminal record does uh, Jeremy Garth Anderson have? Um, it's an extensive one. I went and looked it up after all this, but I can't remember exactly yeah. what all his charges. I think... Um, um, burglary, like assault. Burglary... Drugs, I think, um, assault. Yeah. When it first happened, I went and looked him up, and I just can't remember. It was so much. Yeah. By the time um, the people were hearing this, uh, our interview, I will have put Jeremy's uh, criminal record up for people to see. So they will know uh, what we're talking about by this point. But it's an extensive criminal record going back to the early 90s. Uh, Did your daughter, Kristen, know about Jeremy's criminal background? No. Not not an extensive one like that. I mean, she had heard – we had heard rumors like, you know, he got in trouble before. I didn't know what kind of trouble, but his father always got him out of trouble. Didn't know it was really bad, bad trouble, you know? Yeah. She was naive, and so was I. Yeah. And did maybe uh, Kenny, your ex-husband, did he get to meet Jeremy at any time? Did he ever offer up any opinion on him? Did did kind of – please. No, he met him. He liked him. Okay. I mean, I, I think this person had two personalities. Okay. Some, crimin- some criminals do. <laughs> some criminals you know? do. 
And so you had to confront uh, your your daughter Kristen about Jeremy's background and everything, and then you know maybe she finally saw the light on that. And I, I right. really don't yeah, know if it's appropriate. I don't know if it'd be appropriate for us to get you know in deep into their relationship, but just to say that they'd been going out for a while. She finds out about this. Um, do they break up? Yes. Okay. Why did they break up? Well, he went to prison. Yes, he did. Right. And in fact, if anybody looked at uh, the, the the criminal record that uh, Jeremy Anderson has, uh, about two months, it would have been in June of 1997, he uh, got in some trouble, I think got caught with it, and then he was out on bail or something at the time that Kimberly disappeared, and then he ended up finally going to jail for those charges in early 1998. Do you believe that's the time that Kristen finally broke up with him? About that time. Yes. It was, it was, um, I can't remember when he did go to jail. He went to jail, I remember, I don't have it in front of me, but sometime in early 98. I'm thinking February or March of 98. Oh, okay. Like well, six it, months it after. Until then to convince her. Yeah. Okay. Let me just ask you uh, some more questions about him so we can narrow this down. Did okay. Did Jeremy know where Kenny's house was? Yes, he did. Because he, he and Kristen had uh, stayed up there the month of July. So just like a month before? Yes. Before Kimberly disappeared. So he was in that house uh, in the in just a month before Kimberly disappeared. Okay. Could he have had a key? Could he have had a key to that house? I think he did. Okay. And because I asked Kristen the other night, I said, do you think that he had a key? Do you remember if he had a key? And she says, I think he did have a key. Mm. And I, I realize that you don't know, but being that Kristen was his girlfriend at the time, did he ever offer up any explanation to her? Once again, I know that you eventually talked to her and she finally saw the light, but in that time where she was defending him, did he ever offer up an explanation to her as to where he might have been between 2 and, let's say, 8 in the morning of August 16th? And did he ever offer up an explanation to Kristen as to why he wouldn't take the lie detector test? Uh, did he ever say anything about any of that? I don't remember. I think probably because uh, it's not used in court. Well, that's yeah. true. As far as as far as him saying where he was at, he told me uh, that he had gone to Lake Cassidy two times that night. First of all, he had gone to Ponce de Leon, which is a little town close by, mm -hmm. came back, went to uh, Lake Cassidy twice, and nobody was there. But nobody can say that. Nobody can verify that. Exactly. Okay. Now, once again, you said that his father is a detective in the Walton County Sheriff's Department in Florida, where you live? Do you live in Walton County? Yes. I do. Okay. He was there at the time. Of course, he's retired now. Mm-hmm. 
have you and now once again this case is almost 21 years old and you've known about jeremy's possible possible involvement in this have you ever had a chance to talk to his father about any of this no even though he's a local law enforcement officer you never went down and spoke to him at any time no, nothing not, like not that with, not with him no no okay so we have a guy uh, let's just please please um he did come out um i'll go into this because this woman got in touch with me and she had sort of like a vision or something that kimberly was down uh i live on a dirt road and that she was down close to my house okay mm. on the right side of the road so Glenda, which is her name, and we have, uh, I've met her and know, know her now, she called the police about Kimberly being there, and the father comes out. Jerry's father comes out. Okay. I was not there. Okay. He was down there, and he was questioning her, and she was telling him what she thought. And then he told her not to tell anybody. Okay. Well, the listeners of Unfound know what I, how I feel about people who have visions and things. Uh, so I don't know what to think about that. And, uh, know I, I you know, either. being that nobody can corroborate that conversation, uh, I'm leery of taking anybody's word like that at all. I, I, I have to admit, I'll just go on the record and just say I'm, I'm worried that that conversation maybe never happened. I'm just right. going to be I'm just going to be honest with you. Um so I don't I don't know what to think about that. I'd just like to concentrate on any interaction uh you had. Okay. Um let me ask you this. Um before this disappearance happened, how do you think that Kimberly and Jerry Anderson got along? How often did they run into each other being that Jerry was dating um Kristen, the older sister? Well, as far as I knew, they were okay. Uh but they didn't. They weren't around each other that much. But since I have talked to her friends and everything, and one of her friends told me that Kimberly couldn't stand Jerry, that she didn't like him, hmm. which I didn't know until just really lately. You just found that out within like the last few years. Yes, that she just really didn't like him. Okay. What has uh, we know that Jeremy went to jail in early '98? Uh, what has he done in the last 20 years with his life? Okay, he has married, um, and he's involved in church. Um, and tries you- to work here and there. I think. Not sure. Okay. Do you have, do you have any knowledge if he's been involved in any felonies, maybe in the last ten years? I'll, I'll have to check into that again. But to your knowledge, um, I'm not sure. But I think that something happened where he was arrested, but then he was let go. Something and, happened uh, with the informant, the informant story, or something. Somebody was informing on him. Doing something wrong? Uh, something like that. 
okay. they had him, and then they had to let him loose. And go. Did not uh, Jeremy at some point have a gun charge against him as well? Had a gun that was un wasn't necessarily unregistered, but the fi- the numbers on it had been filed off. Didn't you tell me about that as well? Oh yes, that that they found him. That was after Kimberly went missing. He had a gun that um that the numbers were filed off, and then they picked him up that day. He was sitting up under a tree like messed up or something. Okay. I think on drugs or something like that. Okay. Well, the listeners will have to decide. It's very possible. Seems like, um, you know, his alibi seems a little weak. He, he was a felon. He was familiar with the house. He was familiar with the area. He might have, you know, maybe we, we don't know if he knew that Kimberly was going to be at the house or not, but, being that he was a burglar and has some theft charges, maybe he stayed in that house for a month and thought, maybe I'll come back here sometime and rob it. It's a possibility. We just we just don't know. But anytime you hear about a, a felon you know, in the orbit of a person who disappeared, it, you have to take a look at that, and that's why we did that. Um, let's talk about a couple other possibilities. We've already talked about them, but they are out there on the Internet um, as possibilities. Uh, maybe we can just go through these couple names. Do you know who Tony, and I, I'm bringing this just up because it's been mentioned in a couple conversations that I've seen. Do you know who Tony Wilkerson is? I do. And because there is a uh, forum where they are talking about your daughter's disappearance and his name and another name that we'll get to have come up. Tony Wilkerson, who is he? The only Tony Wilkerson that I know is the man that lives down the road he is married to my husband's now ex-wife, but I mean, he—he is—he has been here all his life, and um, he's probably in his fifties. Um, but he's like a real gentle older man, like no kind of charges. If it's the same, unless there's a different. Um, Tony Wilkerson that they're mm-hmm. talking about. Well, it's probably this one. I mean, what are the odds that somebody would be talking about a Tony Wilkerson? It's not the one that lives right down the road. To your knowledge, once again, in the last almost 21 years, has the police, the FBI, the Alabama Bureau of Investigation, have they ever mentioned his name in connection to your daughter's disappearance? Ever? None. 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 Zero. Okay. Okay, and there is another guy um, that was mentioned once again in this forum that I read. Uh, there's a Jerry Bubba Ziegler. Had you ever heard of this name before? Do you know who this might be? It. I don't know him. I think I've heard that name before. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's a man. His name's Dennis Walker. That he's on Facebook and he keeps telling people that Kimberly is in a well um, outside of op. I mean, he has said this for years and years, and the police know this. Mm-hmm. And I've, I believe I've heard that name from him. 
But most importantly, has the FBI, Alabama Bureau of Investigation, or local op police, once again, in almost the last 20 years, ever said anything about him possibly being involved in Kimberly's disappearance, ever? No, not, not that name. Not at all. From the law, no. Okay. And just the, maybe I'll even go further. In the last 20, almost 21 years, besides Jerry Anderson, have the police mentioned any, I don't want you to say, you don't have to say their names. Have the police ever mentioned any other people who could be possibly suspects in your daughter's disappearance? Not that I can remember. No. Okay. Okay, so uh, good girl, just being up and up, getting her senior pictures taken like most, you know, all like just about all seniors, I guess, do. She's there in the house, and it seemingly looks like somebody came in there. There's a little bit of a scuffle in the bedroom. Nothing was disturbed in the in the rest of the place. And then uh, just through, I guess, some misdirection and um, you know, her father maybe just taking for granted she was there. We don't find out that she's missing until Sunday. And I can tell you that uh, you know, this time, the passing of time, even if it's just an hours or a day, can mean so much in a I disappearance. Know. You know, so much. So much. I, just I, I know. Yeah. I, I, what I believe, I'll tell you what I believe. Can I tell you? Please, please. I, I believe that something happened there in her bedroom. I believe that she was killed there. And she was taken out of that room and her body was disposed of. Mm -hmm. And I, I, blood or anything. Right. So I feel like either smothered or her neck was broke. Hmm. That because and that's the way I feel. I don't know. I, I've thought hmm. about so many different things. Yeah. I do need to ask you, since uh, were there any alleged sightings of Kimberly after that day? Oh, yes. There had been, but it was all, um, nothing was ever found. Nothing. People were calling in saying, oh, this she, this might be her, this might be her. But uh, there were several things that they followed up on, and it wasn't her. Okay. As I've already mentioned uh, in this uh, interview, that it's going to be 21 years. Uh, we're conducting this interview on August 9th, 2018. So um, we have six days. Uh, that'll be next Wednesday. It'll be 21 years. I know it's, uh, I know it's been tough. Um, how have you and of course your daughter, Kristen and your ex-husband, Kenny, you know, how do you handle it? It's been hard. It's been hell. Um, Kenny has passed away. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I don't think. Since then. Okay. And my daughter, Kristen, has been through so much uh, tragedy. First it was Kimberly, then it was her father, and then Kristen's husband passed away. Oh, my. Uh, from cancer. Oh, my. And so with me, I mean, what can I say? I just have to take it from day to day. Uh, I just want 
justice for my daughter. I want her found. I want her body found so I can bring her home. Yes. Yes, of course. Of course. I, I just want the truth. I want to know what happened. I mean, I I have been, I mean, it has been terrible. I mean, it has been so devastating. Mm-hmm. When you have a child and your child's taken away from you and you don't even know what happened, oh, my God, it will work on your brain like something crazy. Yeah. Guess tell me that a lot. It's very common. And very common. It, and, and it seems like there's more and more people missing. You know, it seems like it's getting to be more and more and more. It does seem like it. I think that um, the statistics would say that um, it's maybe gone, maybe down a little bit, maybe. But really, what has really changed are the nature of disappearances. I think that you know these days, especially two thousands to now, you know, so many more disappearances are connected to drugs and addiction and things than ever were, like in the nineties, eighties, and seventies. It's and, it's um, there's a distinct difference. Trafficking or something. That's right. I, I just that's have right. To pray. I just have to pray for peace. You know, that's I, that's yeah. the only thing that helps me. Okay. Is there a website or a Facebook page or anything that is set up uh, for your daughter's disappearance that we can direct uh, the listeners to visit? Yes, it's help find Kimberly Raymer. Okay, and that is your Facebook page. I guess that's like a public page. People can like it, share it, follow it, etc. Exactly. Yes. Okay. And do you manage that, or who who manages that? I, I don't. Okay. Um, a, friend, a friend of hers does. Great. Great. Okay. Well, I'll be surely by the time everybody hears this interview, I will have directed uh, the listeners and like in on my page and in my private group, the Unfound podcast discussion group i will direct them to that please say it again for everybody if you could help find kimberly raymer okay and that's k-e-m-b-e-r-l-y okay raymer sue any last words before we conclude this interview um i just want to thank you um for your help um and and I wanted to let you know that the Walton County Sheriff's Office right now mm-hmm. has taken an interest in Kimberly's case. It's um, interesting. After all these years, and they've gotten um, the reports from the FBI, hmm. uh, which they said that normally they don't do that. Um. That they have, and but there's thousands of pages, and I'm sure it's overwhelming. Do you think? I mean, we have to remember Walton County's in Florida. Of course, she disappeared from a house in Alabama. Do you think that the Walton County Sheriff's Department is taking an interest because one of their former deputies' uh, son is a 
possible suspect. Do you think that's the reason? I don't know. You don't know the reason. Okay. Well, um, if you don't know, you don't know. I'm just wondering if you have any insight into that because it's fairly unusual for a sheriff's office in an entirely different state to take an interest in a disappearance. I know it. Well, that's good. Well, I went down there and I talked to the sheriff. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. But um, even on the Walton County Sheriff's site, well, they did an interview with me. And huh. it's on their site. Well, I will surely find it and I will surely find it and direct people to it. Okay. I didn't know about that. Yes. And, uh, yes, I did an interview with them, and um, they put it on the Walton County Sheriff's site on Facebook. Okay. Well, that is a – I have to tell you, that's a unique development in in the two years I've uh, been doing Unfound now that a county – a police department in a a totally different state – take an interest in a disappearance yeah that's it's interesting i don't know what that means i'm gonna have to think about that i know it okay well that's good hey you'll take any help you can get right (laughs) take any yes absolutely yes because i live in walton county right and the suspect is from walton county right at least one of them yes um okay well thank you for adding that i didn't know that thank you for adding that to the end of this this interview uh, Sue, that that that's good. Okay. okay, that's interesting. I'm sure my listeners are going to be uh, very interested in that and think they're going to think about that for themselves as well. Great, and I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Well, thank you so much. And that was my interview with Sue Infinger, mother of Kimberly Raymer. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. To give you an idea of how even the best outlined interview can bring out surprises. Until the recording of this interview, I didn't know that Kimberly's secret boyfriend had been married before and had a child. So when you heard that for the first time, you were hearing me hear it for the first time. And that's my fault. If there's anything I should have learned after two years of talking to people, is to never take anything for granted. Whereas, frankly, in our preliminary conversations... Sue told me he was an older guy, but I didn't know that he had a child and had been married before. This is all relevant, I believe, for reasons I don't have to go too in-depth to explain. But after the interview you just heard, I had to think about that revelation. Then I called Sue back and we spoke further about this boyfriend. Yes, as she said, he has allegedly been cleared by police. And yes, I know his name, but since I learned it outside of the official interview... I'm hesitant to reveal it at this point. But in this talk after the interview, I asked Sue if possibly the boyfriend's ex-wife could have done something to Kimberly. Could she have followed Kimberly home from the boyfriend's house? Or if the ex-wife had a brother or someone who could have gotten revenge for her? Or something. Sue says she has never thought about it, mainly because the FBI only brought up Jerry Anderson in their discussions. I told Sue she should consider the possibility that the ex-wife was involved in Kimberly's disappearance because relationships and the breakdown of them are the number one motivator of disappearances. And since I found out about this case, I've pondered whether the new relationship had anything to do with the disappearance. 
And so when I heard more about the boyfriend and his ex-wife during the interview, it certainly piqued my interest. Once again, despite him personally being cleared. Allegedly. Because I have to admit that despite everything the police have said to Sue about Jerry Anderson and his secret, his long criminal record, that he hid from everyone, there's still something that doesn't feel right about his involvement. Yes, he knew Kimberly. He knew the area. He knew the house. He may have even had a key to it. And maybe, if it was Jerry, he went up there to burglarize the house. But my belief is also that he would only drive up there if he knew Kenny, Kimberly's father, wasn't going to be there, no matter what Jerry's intentions would have been. Granted, Kenny wasn't at home that night and into the next morning, but there is no proof Jerry would have known that. Jerry surely wouldn't have been planning to do something at Kenny's house if he knew Kenny would be home. What I'd like to know is if Kenny was always absent from his house every Friday night into Saturday morning. Was that part of his regular schedule in going over to his girlfriend's? If I knew that, I think I'd be able to make a better assessment of Jerry's involvement. So, what secret leads us in the right direction? The boyfriend's? Jerry's? Or somebody else's. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've been listening to Unfound.